Welcome to GW Hospital HealthCast. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. The topic today is benefits of minimally invasive colorectal surgery. My guest is Dr. Vincent Obias. He is the chief of the Division of Colon and Rectal Surgery at the George Washington University Hospital. Dr. Obias, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Why don't we just start off with a nice, simple definition of what is minimally invasive surgery? Sure. Traditional surgery of the abdomen for colon and rectal uh, diseases usually uh, is associated with large incisions that start near the top of the belly and go straight down. It's very long incisions. These incisions are associated with hernias and more pain afterwards, but it does allow the surgeon to do what they need to do internally. Um, Minimally invasive surgery does not have a large incision like that, and it uses very small incisions that range anywhere from half to one quarter of an inch. And uh, sometimes it can be done through one incision in the belly button, and sometimes it's done through three or four small incisions. The traditional open surgery, you'll end up being in the hospital anywhere from six to seven days, even up to 10 days. That's based off of studies nationally. When you're doing surgery through minimally invasive practices, your um, length of stay is closer to two to three days. Sometimes the patient goes home the next day. It really depends on the patient, of course, but the benefit is that patients go home sooner and have less pain and get back to work that much faster. So it's so it's less pain, less time in the hospital, back to, you know, as normal of a life as possible following the surgery. Those are all the big benefits of minimally invasive surgery. So why, how come everybody just doesn't have minimally invasive surgery then? So, so what are the, you know, who qualifies for this then? Sure. Um, the, the problem with minimally invasive surgery, whether it's laparoscopic or robotic, is that it is difficult. Instead of doing the surgery through a large incision and using your hands, you have to use these tiny instruments that aren't sometimes very optimized for it. When laparoscopy first started, a conversion from minimally invasive and converting, meaning you have to make a big incision anyway because it was too difficult, um, that conversion rate was quite high, 20 to 35% in some studies, and depending, of course, on what kind of diseases. Um, But nowadays, with surgeons who have great experience in laparoscopy and especially in robotics, the ability to do uh, minimally invasive surgery is is much higher percentage-wise. More and more patients are eligible for it. Uh, And at GW, we have been doing um, minimally invasive surgery for greater than 90% of our patients for, for many years now. And what are the you know um, requirements for a surgeon to be able to to do this? Uh, is there a certification program? Sure. Uh, I assume there's some extra education. Mm-hmm. So the the, uh, the training associated, uh, especially ten to fifteen years ago, has always been traditionally open surgery. Um, I did extra training in uh, a minimally invasive fellowship, and current fellowships now have so much minimally invasive surgery that. Many times you don't need an extra fellowship, but I did an extra year minimally invasive. Um, And, of course, um, at times surgeons learn um, even after their own fellowships, such as I. I learned robotics after my minimally laparoscopic fellowship. 
Um, uh, but traditionally in the past, they took an extra year, uh, which is what I did. And currently, the way our training program is, is that we're incorporating minimally invasive uh, training to all our trainees, whether they are residents or fellows. So if, if a patient, if, if minimally invasive surgery is recommended for a patient, what should they do? Should they should they look into how much training the surgeon has had? Um, is that is that an important part? And if they if that's the case, how do they go about that? Well, certainly looking at uh, the surgeon's uh, background uh, and kind of uh, honestly comfort level of doing uh, minimally invasive surgery, um, it never hurts to get second opinions um, on a certain process uh, when it comes to colon resection. Um, and because quite honestly, um, in America, about only 50 to 60 percent of eligible colon resections are being done in a minimally invasive fashion. When you take a look at that population, over 80 to 90 percent should be. And if you look at rectal cancer, only about 70, sorry, only about 30 percent of those patients are having done in a minimally invasive fashion when, again, you can have it 70 to 80% of the time. Um, so absolutely, sometimes it, it, it could be the surgeon's comfort level. If that surgeon's not a specialist in the field of colorectal or, or they themselves are a little bit older and haven't done a lot of minimally invasive surgery, I think it's a valid question to ask because the benefits are, are so uh, marked and, and incredible, quite honestly, versus open. Okay. Yeah, and, and so that's a good point, right? So the patient should absolutely maybe bring this up. Am I a candidate for this? And then kind of have that discussion uh, with yeah. the surgeon. What what type of patients in, in the colorectal area, like what, what, what kind of patients aren't going to be candidates for this? Sure. Sometimes the patient uh, has had so many previous surgeries that the internal scar tissue uh, makes minimally invasive surgery difficult. Now, we still attempt to do those patients in a minimally invasive fashion, especially robotically, um, but sometimes we may opt to do those surgeon patients through a typical incision. But it's a very rare, 5 to 10% of patients only in my, my, my own practice undergo a, a, a large midline incision. Then again, you know, the, the, it, it all is dependent upon that surgeon and their comfort level um, and um, for us, we still feel we can push the edge in terms of, of doing it. Certain disease processes uh, are done more open than minimally invasive, uh, say uh, a very complex cancer that involves many different organ systems. Sometimes a um, patient has a very uh, complex disease involving many subspecialties like urology and gynecology. Um, I may be able to do my portion through tiny incisions, but they might not be able to do their portion, so we just do it through a, a one large midline mm-hmm. incision. Um, um, but uh, those are the, the typical uh, contraindications, I guess you could say. Um, early on, uh, many patients didn't get minimally invasive surgery, and now with the experience that we have, more and more patients uh, can get minimally invasive surgery. Right. So, Dr. Obias, in summary, what would you like people to know about minimally invasive colorectal surgery? Um, I would like for them to know that patients have less discomfort and pain and can uh, return to work and their normal life faster. Um, Robotics specifically uh, reduces the risk of conversion to open 
can can even be better for certain types of cancers, especially in rectal cancers. Um, we have had a broad experience in robotics, and it's a, one of the important tools we use in minimally invasive surgery. Well, Dr. Obias, thank you so much for the work that you're doing, and thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to GW Hospital HealthCast with the George Washington University Hospital. For more information, you can go to gwhospital.com. That's gwhospital.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of the George Washington University Hospital. The hospital should not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. Individual results may vary. There are risks associated with any surgical procedure. Talk with your doctor about these risks to find out if minimally invasive surgery is right for you. This is Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.